welcome to the Growth Tribe Podcast, where we're all about growing ourselves to create lives we effing love on our terms. I'm Ellen, and I'm a former biomedical researcher turned coach who fell in love with personal growth when it empowered me to transform my health, quit my PhD, travel the world, and start my own business. But do not get me wrong, I'm still figuring my shit out too, and I'm so pumped to share what I'm learning along the way. We've got amazing interviews, big stories, tips, tricks, and no bullshit action steps that we can all learn from. So with that, welcome to this episode of The Growth Tribe. Hey friends and welcome back to The Growth Tribe Podcast. Today we are talking about meditation. And y'all know I love meditating. I've been meditating for about two, three years now. And it's become such an important part of my morning routine, of my daily practice. It's really just helped me tap into my intuition and who I am and what I really want in my life. But you're not going to be hearing about meditation from me today. Today, you're going to be hearing about meditation from best-selling author Valerie Genghis. She is the author of an Amazon bestseller, Enlightenment is Sexy, Every Woman's Guide to a Magical Life. And what I love so much about her story is that she went from being this person who she was a self-proclaimed party girl to after her first experience with transcendental meditation, which we'll talk more about what that is, she awakened in so many different ways. And it really inspired this movement, this message about how women, when they tap into their consciousness, it's freeing. It's freeing. It gives you more of a sense of purpose. It helps you transform who you are, who you want to be in so many incredibly profound ways. She's so engaging. You're going to hear how great of a rapport Valerie and I have. Probably the best podcast ending wrap up I've recorded thus far in my however many episodes. And I'm super, super excited to share it with you today. So let's get into it and let's sit down and hear from Valerie Genghis, bestselling author about why enlightenment is so damn sexy. Let's get into it. Valerie, I'm so pumped to have you on the Growth Tribe podcast. Welcome, girl. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a fun conversation today. I remember the first time we connected um, and it said transcendental meditation. I was just like, oh, in. I'm in. So I'm <laughs> pumped to hear your background and kind of where you're coming from. People have gotten a bit of a big picture overview in the intro, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, okay, so I am from Chicago, born and raised, lived in the city for a really long time, um, grew up in the suburbs, I moved to the city right after high school, and uh, kind of have lived two lives in one, two, it's kind of two people in one body. So I've always been really, really interested in spirituality for as long as I can remember, Um like to give you an example, I would go to school all day and I was an awful student and I would come home and all I'd want to do is just read books on spirituality. So my mom um, was a poet and she wrote mystical poetry, so like spiritual poetry, and she used to be a former nun. And so uh, she was really into this idea that I loved spirituality and different types of religion. And so she really encouraged that in me. Mm -hmm. And we went on a lot of road trips to different monasteries and visited holy places like all over the world. And basically she would tell me, hey, you know what? Just pass your classes, come home and read whatever you want. Mm -hmm. So she kind of gave me the green light to really pursue this passion of mine. 
And by the time so high you school kind was, of derived from her then it had to have been like I was born with it. Like mm-hmm. it had to have been in my cells that I was interested in all this because I don't think I don't think it's very typical for, you know, a 12 year old kid to want to be reading about like St. John of the Cross. I just don't think that that's normal. Um, I can remember it all starting around nine years old. She, my mom took me to a little church in Chicago to meet Mother Teresa. And I felt very, um, I felt so much energy coming from her and felt like so much power and grace and all of this good mojo coming from this little Albanian nun. I just was like blown away by her. I just got goosebumps listening to you talk about that and watching you talk about that. I know. Well, it's incre- it was incredible. And it was a little church in uh, the Pilsen area of Chicago, which is a Latin neighborhood. I mean, the church was one of the smallest churches I've ever been in. And it was mm-hmm. packed. And I was like, who is this person? Like, mom, what are we even doing here? Like, I, I didn't know really who she was. My mom just felt it was important that um, since she was going to be in town that I meet her. Mm-hmm. And after I met her, we were basically the same height, you know, and I have like these great pictures with her. And I said to my mom, like, who is this lady? Like, what's the deal? And my mom said to me, she has single-handedly changed the world. And I never, ever forgot it. Like, it was like she said that to me. And I was like, oh, my God, how does one person change the world like that? Affect all, everybody by their, like, grace and their good actions and their good deeds and all that. And I thought, I need to know more about all of this. And then I realized, like, this is coming from a higher power. Like, one person is not able to do that much work. So really, like, the lights came on at that point. And I started being very interested in, like, how people, you know, live their lives in service live a different type of lifestyle. I loved reading about monks and hermits and all these different things. So by the time I went to college, I decided to pursue it um, more formally and I became a religious studies major and then um, ended up in the restaurant and bar business. So when I think <laughs> I was two people in one body, I was like partying my ass off and then like reading about Buddhism, you know, writing papers about you know, evangelical Christians, and then like staying out till six in the morning. So it was simultaneous, just like two different lives, moving, moving, moving. And then did you ever feel like in conflict as you were living that? Or did it kind of feel like it oddly worked? Totally worked for me. It felt like I was balanced. Um, It was just what I was interested in. Everyone that knew me knew that I loved reading about spirituality and religion. And I also was like a huge partier. I don't know. I just like, and I wrote about that today on my Instagram account. Like, why do you have to choose one or the other? Like, why can't you, I don't think you need to turn into this, you know, spiritual type or like whatever that means. If you are interested in all this, like Mm -hmm. uh, you can still go have a glass of wine and be a normal person and have a social life. I don't, I don't see the connection. Mm-hmm. So that all happened and I was just going along and reading a lot of books and traveling and visiting different spiritual sites, living my life. Just thought I'd be in the restaurant business forever and that's it. And then my mom um, 
passed away in 2011 and she really was like my spiritual guide, my best friend. She was, you know, everything to me. And when she died, I became very sick. I was totally suicidal. I didn't see any point in being here. She was the only person that really knew me. And um, my world, you know, it just went black. And uh, she died at the end of January uh, 2011. And by that May, through a series of events, um, I learned transcendental meditation and uh, I was, I had a sleeping disorder. I was taking tons of Xanax because I had so much anxiety and I couldn't sleep. And I was, you know, I was a disaster. And in one meditation, I went from being completely suicidal to a, a state of ecstasy. I mean, like the whole world was brand new. Um, wow. Colors looked differently. The air felt differently. Everything, the whole world was transformed before my eyes in 20 minutes. So it was, um, I mean, it was a miracle. I, I felt like I was saved, really. Oh, that, that is powerful. So like, I've, I've heard of transcendental meditation before, but admittedly, I've been meditating for about a year and a half, and I'm not super clear on what the difference is between it and like what we standard think of as meditation. So like, what is transcendental meditation? Um, so Transcendental meditation, or they call it TM for short, it's a mantra-based meditation. So um, you have a meditation teacher. It takes four days to learn. Um, it's about, I don't know, 60 to 90 minutes a day that you go in there. And there's a short ceremony, because this has been passed down for generation to generation. And so there's this like ceremony giving thanks to this information that you're about to get. They give you a mantra that's specific to you. And um, they teach you how to use it. So a mantra is just like a meaningless sound that you say. It's a vibration, really. And they give you the, the mantra and they show you how to use it. And then, like, you know how to meditate. So mm -hmm. now I've worked with thousands of people that have learned TM because that's what I ended up doing for a living after I learned to meditate. And people always have the same – they always say the same thing, like, I can't meditate. I've tried. I, I can't. I'm like – you can and you will because it's like magic. So you learn and then you just, I don't know, something takes over mm -hmm. and you just follow the mantra down and then it's just silence and peace and um, an extraordinary experience. Every time I meditate, I still feel like this is, this is extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize, so I definitely want to come back to that whole idea of those people who feel like, well, I can't meditate or like, they, they think it's, it's goofier to like woo woo for them, which, you know, I'm a former scientist. Like if I can meditate, you guys can meditate. Mm -hmm. um, like I didn't know this, how personalized the mantra was. Like I'd heard of it being mantra based before, but I kind of just thought it was like a, you say, I am enough or I am enough over and over again. So it's, it's not quite it's, like that. No, it's not in English. It's not, it's just like a sound and they, God. It's very simple. I mean, so like a lot of people do TM and I think it got really popular because the Beatles did it and then they ended up recording the, the white album in India and like the whole, this, the whole nine yards. But <laughs> I think it was Amy Schumer that said like, this is the easiest. It's like brushing your teeth. And I was like, she nailed it. Like, it's that simple. There's no, there's no thought involved. It just takes over and you just go. And I feel like that's how I started living my life. 
mm-hmm. you know, after that. It was like this mantra was teaching me how to live. And I know that sounds weird, but I was like, oh, you can just be like, you know, the world keeps moving. You keep going and you don't have to be overthinking everything and freaking out. I think uh, one of the chapters in Enlightenment is Sexy is thinking is overrated because I think we have other avenues we can take that are way smoother and you just kind of flow with everything. And Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the gifts meditation gives you, gets you into that state. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, former scientist brain think all the time Um, and sometimes can't turn off the analysis part of my brain. And that became like the gift I gave myself when I meditated. It may not be TM, but like when I meditated, it was that opportunity to turn off my brain mm-hmm. and yet sometimes harder than other times, but like, for sure, it definitely gave me that, that space, like whether it was 10 minutes or five minutes, like it gave me that space in my day. It's, it's deeper than sleep. I mean, it's mm-hmm. this space that like your mind is just what a beautiful gift to give your brain to just rest mm-hmm. like that. Cause it's counterintuitive. We are not taught that you should be silent, that you Mm -hmm. should rest. We're taught to like, go, keep pushing forward, like try really hard. And it's like, what is that? No wonder everyone's so freaked out. Mm -hmm. And like, if we are taught to be silent, it's almost like a, like when we're kids, we're told to be silent as almost like a punishment. Like it's not if you give yourself when you're being quiet. Yeah. So when you learned this, was this something, had you ever meditated before? Never. I had never heard of it. Um, I didn't know what it was. This is a very weird story, but um, even though I had studied spirituality and religion and all that, I never thought about meditating. Mm -hmm. So six months before my mom died, um, I worked for my father. He owned restaurants in Chicago and he decided to retire. So I wasn't working and I was thinking like, I think I'd like to go back to school and get my master's. And I did go back and get my master's, but I, this, I just graduated. This was, this was nine years ago that I was having these thoughts. And um, my mom's family is from Iowa on her mom's side. So um, they still have like the family farmhouse. So we would go out there every year with all my cousins. So on this particular road trip, I said, Hey mom, you know, there's this, uh, university in Fairfield, Iowa. Do you mind if we stop there? I just want to check it out. It's a consciousness-based school. And it sounds like something that, I don't know, I would really dig. She was like, sure, let's go there. So we go to this town and we look at the school and then um, we went and like had a beer and like some spinach dip, like at this bar downtown (laughs) and, you know, at their main like town, not downtown. So we ended up talking to the owner of the bar for like two hours and, and we were saying like, what's going on with this town and what's up with the university and this, and that. And he said, well, the whole town, they meditate. And I was like, what do you mean they meditate? And he was, he said like they practice transcendental meditation and it's like, well, it's like half farmers and half people that meditate. And that's what the town is made up of. And I I was like, that is so interesting. I'm so, so freaking intrigued. I want to go there. <laughs> well, then I ended up moving there, which is the weird, weirdest part. But in, in the meantime, I said to my mom, like, what is transcendental meditation? Like, I've never heard of that before. And she was like, you have, you know, the Beatles made it popular in the 70s. And 
you remember them going to India, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, yeah, I think I saw that like on Rolling Stone magazine or whatever. And she blew it off. Well, after I learned to meditate and had this extraordinary experience, two weeks later, I was working with Oprah Winfrey and the David Lynch Foundation. And I was like up speaking about meditation. So remember, I was suicidal, had this experience, now I have a full-time job and I'm speaking about like consciousness and meditation and all these amazing things that two weeks prior, I didn't even know what TM was. Mm-hmm. So this is like the sequence of events. Jesus. I know because I think when the lights go on like that, like your whole life takes off. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go to work. I'd go to work four days in a row and I would tell my dad like, yeah, I'm going to go to work four days in a row because people are learning to meditate. And one day he said to me, you know, I took your mom to this center in one of the suburbs in Chicago for four days in a row to learn to meditate in the seventies. And I was like, no way did mom learn TM. Okay. Like she was super Catholic. I don't think that would be upper alley. And I asked her about it. And she brushed it off. She totally was like, whatever. And we went back in the records and we found my mom. She learned in 1975 in December of 1975, by January, she was pregnant with me. So she was meditating while I was in her belly. And so when I learned, it's like I had already been there. I mean, the story just got crazier and crazier. And I was like, oh, this is why it's so familiar to me. Mm Because I just fell into it. Oh, my God. Okay. Right. (laughs) This epic, crazy transformation Mm -hmm. from starting to use transcendental meditation and yeah. now you teach it to people. So well, I don't what teach do you- it. I just talk about it and I write about it. I didn't become a teacher because that would take way. They, they're trained to take some like six or eight months to train to learn, to, mm-hmm. to be trained to teach. And I'm, I ain't going down that road. You just introduce <laughs> people to it. Like I just that. talk about it and I wrote about it. And uh, I just tell people my experience because this is what happened to me. Mm-hmm. So then what do you say typically when you have people who say they can't meditate or who are really resistant to meditation. Cause I definitely have friends, former clients that I'm like, you need to start meditating. Like mm-hmm. it, it's so great. Like it's, it's going to do this, this, and this for you. And they can't seem to get over the hump of starting to do it and really turning that into a practice. So what, what would you say to people like that? Um, you know, I'm a big fan of like letting everything come to you. So I think you can like tell people your experience and if they if they want to go for it or something shows up in their life that the opportunity is there, like that's great, but you can never force anyone or like, you know, jam it down their throat because uh, it might not be right for them. You know, I don't know. Everyone's so different. And Mm -hmm. I went in there with no thoughts or feelings about it. And this is what happened to me. So um, I think, uh, you either have to be willing or like, like I said, it just shows up and you kind of go for it and then see Mm -hmm. what happens. But like to force anyone or to like put pressure on them, I don't think Mm -hmm. that really works. Not, not with these types of things. That's really fair actually. And actually I I really like the fact that I know I just said should, and everybody who listens to this knows how much I hate the word should. So thank you for, (laughs) for throwing that back at me. I mean, I feel like everybody should have some sort of spiritual practice. We live in an insane world. We never stop moving. It's like everyone's mental. And we should have, everyone should have like 
something that they're doing to center themselves and like Mm. take it down a notch. But again, like whether they do it or not, I don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, we should all eat right too, but it's not like we do that either. So (laughs) it's just, I think you gotta, you gotta be ready. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also like, it's very fair that it has to come to you. Like the thing that you choose to have be your spiritual practice needs to, to feel good to you. It can't be like Ellen told me to do this or Valerie told me to do this. Like it has to come, it has to be self-generated. It does. And I think it's really personal. And, but I also think what happens, like someone's listening to this podcast and they're like, wow, that sounds super interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Let me look into it. And then like, there's a TM teacher two miles from their house, you know, like all the pieces of the puzzle fit. Mm-hmm. So, but I think there needs to be a little magic in the thread somewhere, you know, yeah. serendipity or something like that. And then, you know, it's right. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's part of the reason that I knew when I heard from, um, heard from you originally that it was right. Cause I was thinking about it, have lots of inclination. Like I need to bring someone on to talk about meditation and literally, I wasn't joking when I said at the beginning, like, I saw that and I was just like, yes. Well, on. yeah, and there's, there's so many different forms of meditation, too. I mean, this is what came to me, and it was mm-hmm. extraordinary. And I know it has changed a lot of people's lives. Mm-hmm. But, like, for another person, I don't know, they might want to take, like, a Buddhist path, path or mm-hmm. I don't really care. You know, it's like, I think you got to find what's right for you. And I can just, um, I can just tell my story and what happened mm-hmm. with, with TM. Mm-hmm. If people are super intrigued by TM, like how can they get started? Do they need to work with a TM teacher to get started? Yeah. So you need to be taught TM. Um, okay. The best way to do it is you just go to tm.org. That's the web, that's the main website. And then I think it's at the top right hand side of the website. It's like find a teacher near you and you just put your location. And I think they'll like connect you with the nearest teacher. Ooh. And the David, I think if you're in New York or LA, um, you could also go through the David Lynch Foundation. They have right. centers there. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, it's all over the world, these different TM centers. And once you uh, learn, then you can go to any TM center for the rest of your life, anywhere in the world, and get your meditation checked, ask questions, meditate with other people. It's like pretty good gig. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I'm totally like after this, I'm going to be like Googling TM teacher. Oh, near you'll like it too, because there's, it's, uh, there's so much science behind it. Um, so that'll like it, or that'll scratch that itch for you. The scientific. I was going to feel like, I feel like you just dangled like candy in front of me. Do you know any of it or? I mean, I don't even want to start quoting like the different <laughs> studies, but there's so there's over like 600 different studies about, you know, the brain and the heart and blood pressure and all that. Um, Mm -hmm. Actually, in Chicago, I was there at the beginning of Loyola Medical School, bring it on for all their medical students. Mm -hmm. And um, because it's so important for your health to settle down Mm -hmm. in your brain. So I know it's starting to get into different medical schools um, Mm -hmm. throughout the country. And we, we were in different corporations, too, because, you know, it's probably why Oprah brought it in. Everyone's so stressed out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Uh, and I've done a little bit of reading on just like meditation in general. And yeah, like the, the health benefits of it are huge. Like it's insane. So I'll just have to report back to that on for you guys. Yeah. You can go, you can take a deep dive into the 600 studies. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I've done a, like a surface dive, but not the deep dive yet. Sweet. Okay. So we had this incredible breakthrough with transcendental meditation. Mm-hmm. 
And now you've got this whole brand, Enlightenment is Sexy. So tell me how that came to be and kind of why you chose Enlightenment is Sexy as kind of like your tagline. Um, so I, I worked with the David Lynch Foundation for two years in Chicago, and it was great. I did a ton of speaking, um, started coaching people, uh, like started a company on the side and was doing a lot of one-on-one coaching. And... I loved all the work, but I also started blogging and my first blog ended up in like a best-selling book. It was the first thing I ever wrote. So another thing that happened to me when I learned to meditate is like all these talents that I never knew I had came out and it was like they were lying dormant. And then like, I just like pulled the cap off of it and all of a sudden I could write and I could speak. So um, after that blog did really well, I decided that I was going to get really serious about writing a book. And so I quit my job. I sold all my stuff and I rented out my place in Chicago. And that's when I moved to Fairfield, Iowa. And I knew like, I don't know, maybe two people. And I figured I have, will have no life here. So all I'm going to do is write. I'm in the middle of cornfields and this is going to be great. And it was great for many, many reasons. I love the town I'm friends with everybody. It's the most incredible group of people I've ever met. I wrote my book and all this cool stuff started happening to me when I just started taking all these different chances and different roads. And one night I went to bed and I woke up in the morning and I had dreamt up Enlightenment is Sexy. I opened my eyes and I just picked up the phone and called my attorney and I was like, I have the name of my book and actually like a whole brand. Can we trademark this? Like that was like the first thing I did because I saw in the dream that this was like a big deal. It was like super powerful. And that's how Enlightenment is Sexy was born. And I think it had to do with because I was coaching a ton of women prior to moving to Fairfield and talking to a lot of women. And I was like, you know, people are worried about their weight, their hair color, what their nails look like, all this superficial stuff. But like, being awake inside, that's what's sexy. Like enlightenment is sexy. You know, moving towards that, that's like a higher level of being beautiful and having light coming out of your ears and your eyes. Like that's sexy to me. So I kind of wanted to shift the conversation to something deeper than like the Kardashians. <laughs> you know, I just was trying to go down a different road and, um, and I just kept, I just went with it. It felt so right to me. It was just, it was enlightenment is sexy. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always think it's interesting how we do, like, we tend to have all of these superficial things in our lives that are standardly tagged as the things that are sexy. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. I think sometimes the sexiest things are enlightenment, like people who are incredibly spiritual. I have like massive respect for people who have, like they set, really, really firm boundaries with the people in their, in their life or with their time. Like they're like, no, I'm not going to bullshit. Like that is not my priority. So I'm not going to do that. I think that's sexy. I think boundaries are sexy. Like boundaries are sexy. That would be another great title, but it's true. (laughs) And I think when you have this knowing inside, I, it's really, when I was younger, Thomas Merton, um, he was a monk a uh, really popular Catholic writer. He was a big deal in my house. We were always talking about him. My mom used to write back and forth with him. And he always talked about the true self and the false self. Mm-hmm. Uh, Father Richard Rohr, who's another popular writer, talks about that now too. But I think when you have this experience, um, 
through meditation or my whole next book is how people, you know, radically transform like what I had happened to me. And I think when you cross the Rubicon and you're on the other side of all this and you know who you are as a person, that true self comes forward. That's like what you're leading with. And mm-hmm. then you're able to set boundaries. You have self-respect. You make totally different decisions in your life. Like you're solid. And mm-hmm. that is sexy. Ooh. And I feel like so much, so much of that comes from self-awareness which is part of enlightenment like yes maybe that's like the true core of like this is the thing but like it's the thing (laughs) yeah like screw everything else well yeah i mean that comes first that comes first Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you have a a strong core like that like what's gonna take you down nothing Mm -hmm. you're Mm -hmm. solid and it's like you keep watering that root and it just you just grow into it and you do become a different person and a lot of enlightenment is sexy was like, okay, but now what? Because you're going to look at the whole world differently. Nothing mm-hmm. will ever be the same if you have that experience. Mm-hmm. You might lose a lot of your friends. You might move across the country. You might get divorced or I don't know, like you just change. Mm-hmm. And so those old rules and that old way of living, that's gone. Mm-hmm. Not having boundaries, not having self-respect, like that is gone. That's, mm-hmm. that's the old false you. And when you have these types of experiences, it's a new you. It's a, it's a more permanent state and you're not, you're not going to take shit from people. You're just not going to, it's not in your nature anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think too, you're not going to take shit from yourself. Like I had, I was like, this kind of is maybe a weird example, but I literally, I'm big on like, I talk a lot of productivity and time management. Like I'm strategy and shit like that just comes super easy to me. So (laughs) I've kind of started to like pivot toward talking a lot about that and sharing some of my systems. And I was sharing my monthly review since we're recording this on August 2nd. Like I did my monthly review yesterday and I was sharing that on social media. And I had somebody DM me on Instagram and say, a lot of what you do when you do a monthly review is it takes a huge amount of self-awareness. Like, and you're very honest about what you are and are not doing. Like, is that hard for you? Like, do you ever struggle with that? And it was a really interesting question because a, my reviews are very tactical. It's like, what am I, what are my behaviors? What am I doing? And what am I not doing? And being real with myself on the tactical level is frankly easy for me, but like, why? Like, why am I, if I think I'm self-sabotaging, why am I doing that? Mm-hmm. Getting into the motions behind it, that's a lot harder. Mm-hmm. So I feel like sometimes it's easier for us to be real with other people and set like, and real talk other people, but it's a lot harder for us to real talk ourselves. Uh, and I think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's a huge part of awareness and enlightenment. So like, do you have any thoughts or like tips for how we can develop that enlightenment and that awareness? So I wrote in the, in the, in enlightenment of sexy that I, I didn't just have this experience and then be like, okay, cool. I'm done. I mean, that was, it was just the beginning for me. And I thought like, you know what I've had, like everybody else, I've had a lot of stuff in my life, family stuff, friends stuff, stuff with boyfriends. I better look at that and deal with it right now. So I went into therapy I went every week um, and I found that the combo platter um, of therapy and this like serious self-awareness is so 
amazing. And like you blow through issues that normally might take you like years. I don't think you need to be in therapy for 30 years. Mm-mm. I think if you combine the two of a spiritual practice that you're doing every day, not like once a year on a retreat, every day and you go to therapy and do some journaling or whatever you want to do, you cannot fail. You will not fail. You will grow. You'll become brutally honest with yourself. You will know who you are as a person and you will deal with your traumas. It's, it's like, it's a perfect uh, group of things that you just bring together and it works. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not rocket science. It's just like, it works. Mm-hmm. So that's what I decided to do because uh, I knew I had a lot of stuff that had gone, mm-hmm. that was crazy in my childhood and teen years and all that. And I was like, I'm going to deal with it because mm-hmm. you got to, you got to mm-hmm. deal with it. It doesn't just go away. You can't spiritually bypass that. No, no. And I totally agree with you. I've done therapy. Heck guys, like just go back to the beginning of the podcast. Cause I think like my fourth episode was on therapy. Um, and how I started working with therapists and how awesome I thought it was. But like, it doesn't have to be just kind of like we talked about earlier. It doesn't have to be like any of these tips. Like it doesn't have to be TM. It doesn't have to be therapy. Like find what works for you. But I think the big thing that you said, which is why I was like nodding like a bobblehead when you said it, um, was it's about consistency over time. Like yeah. find the thing that helps, that helps you feel more aware, that helps you work through your shit. Cause we've all got it. Like there's no, like there's no harm in fessing up to the fact that you have shit you're dealing with. Part about being, it's the part, I mean, it's, it's being human. We're all, we all have it. Yeah. Your parents screw you up. Your teachers screw you up, whatever. <laughs> and it's your, that's how you grow. Mm-hmm. Use mm-hmm. it as an opportunity. That's, that's the gig. Hell yes. Hell yes. Yeah. Use it as an opportunity and like consistency over time. Just work it over time. All growth is cyclical. I go away. Totally, totally agree. And, you know, I've worked with people that are doing 20 different things. They're going to yoga class and then they're doing chanting and then they're doing, you know, energy work and 50 things. I'm like, no, that's good. That's crazy making. Just pick like, you know, let's be on this earth right now. So pick Mm -hmm. a couple things and stick with them because that's that's what works that consistency Mm -hmm. just like you said not like jumping from this to this to this Mm -hmm. that just pick something stick with it and you will see the results Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's like I get having tools in your toolbox like I love learning new shit as much as the next person does I love learning new tools but at some point you have to narrow the focus I learned this the hard way earlier this summer I had to realize I was personal growthing myself out and I just needed to pull back and yeah and I like trying stuff too like definitely I am like so curious it's it's wild but um I think like if you're gonna get real serious about like a, a spiritual practice or like let's say therapy or whatever you're gonna do you just gotta stick with that and just keep going and going and if you want to like you know, just see what's out there. That's cool too. But you can't be doing 50 things at once. You won't even know what's working for you. Mm-hmm. So true. Like, like scientist brain just kicked in there. You can only test one thing at a time. Otherwise your experiment That's right. fucked. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So I've got a few um, fun little wrap up questions I want to ask you, but before I do, do you have any last, any last big nugget of advice you'd like to, to leave everybody with related to TM or enlightenment or any of that? I think when you buy the ticket and take this ride of like a spiritual life going down this road, your whole life changes. Everything is different. You don't have a clear path. 
And it's not easy. It's not like all roses. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of ups and downs. And again, you're, it's a lot of unknown. You don't know exactly what's going on, but I always tell people like, you got to keep going because the gifts, it's so much synchronicity, so many miracles, so many super cool things start happening to you. And it's just so worth it. Even if you don't know what's going on a lot of the time, or there's a lot of mystery, it's like, who cares? Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not what everybody else is doing. And it's just a really interesting, fun ride to take a deep dive into yourself and the universe. Mm -hmm. I love that. I feel like if we can lean into the uncertainty sometimes, that's, that's like the best gift we can give ourselves. Like, right. That's good. That's good times right there. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I love it. I love it. Okay. My fun little wrap up questions. Um, my first one is obviously this is a personal growth, uh, oriented podcast. And we've really taken that from the spiritual perspective today, which I love. Um, so I'm interesting. Um, what does growth mean to you? If somebody were to say, you know, personal growth, like what do you think of when you think of growth? I mean, like initially I'm like, Hmm, Tony Robbins or something <laughs> like that. Like, and, and I love all of that too. I love self-help. But I think growth is really, again, going back to that idea of the true self, knowing who you are, um, being solid, just like a giant oak tree. You're just unshakable. And I always say, like, you know, the problems are never going to end in your life. Like, we're never going to not have problems. That's, that's, that's just how we are. That's how the world is made up. That's how humans are made up. That's how we grow, but it's how you react to all this stuff happening in your life. Like that's true growth to me. If you can just like roll with the punches, then you are making progress, mm -hmm. you know, and there's going to be some major punches. Like you're going to get your ass knocked down, but if you can just see the big picture, lean back and just kind of watch it like a movie then you can deal with all sorts of things, which allows you to take bigger chances, do more things in your life. Like that is, that is growth to me. Going to a seminar for the weekend is cool too. Like, and you learn different tip, tips and tricks, but I want permanent growth. I want permanent change, permanent transformation. And that happens on a soul level. Ooh. Okay. I'm just going to just sit with that for a second, guys. Ooh, I, I feel some people are like, oh, no, don't do silence on podcasts. <laughs> I love that. And I just want to sit with it for a second. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Okay. Um, my next question is because I'm big on resources and, and, and tools. And, you know, if, if people have great book recommendations, I love to hear them. And I know I've got a lot of book nerds that listen to this podcast. So do you have any big book recommendations, books that have been powerful, um, either to teach you about spirituality or religion or about TM? Um, I love anything that Richard Rohr has written. He's like my fave. Um, I love the power of now. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. That is like a classic. He completely nailed it. Like everything that I'm talking about, he had, I, I think we had very similar experiences mm -hmm. and so he crossed over and now he lives in that space. It's amazing. And one of my favorite books is the untethered soul. That is another winner because that gentleman also is in that space. And again, it's like, it's incredible to read other people's stories and totally relate to what they're saying. And just, I don't know, those, 
those three gentlemen are incredible. Mm-hmm. So anything, Michael Singer, Eckhart Tolle, and Richard Rohr, anything they do is uh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've read those last two, and I, I personally feel like those are kind of like my first, like, dip your toes. Those are great books. Those are classics. Yeah. They're so good. Yeah, definitely. Highly recommend. And I'll link well, all of those in the show notes for you guys. And then last but not least, uh, if people are loving your perspective, want to learn about more, more about TM from you, or just kind of want to dive headfirst in this whole enlightenment and sexy deal, where can they find you online? Um, you can just come to my website. It's uh, just my name, ValerieGangus.com. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yep. And we've got a new book coming out. When is the new book? Or are you still writing it? Still writing it. Um, it'll be the second book in a five book series. At least that's the plan for right now. And oh, um, heck yeah, <laughs> I'm starting my podcast in September. So there's like really cool, fun things going on. And all all of this information will be on my website. Mm-hmm. And I'll link it all in one place. I'll link as much of it as I possibly can in the show notes for, for those of you who, who are avid show note followers. So you can always head to coachellen.com slash podcast and find all the things, podcast, book, all that jazz. Ah, Valerie is so awesome having you. Thank you so much for, for sharing your story, for sharing these, these fun perspectives and very different takes on some of this stuff than really a lot of the stuff we've talked about on the growth tribe. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was really fun. I loved it. You're great. And we both say sweet Jesus, which that's a rare thing. I was like, oh my God, she says sweet Jesus like I do. Yeah. (laughs) We're not even from the same part of the country. No, I didn't even know anyone said that. I also say holy Christmas and I call the refrigerator an icebox, but I I can't help it. I can't make it stop. So I do not do either of those things, but (laughs) I just heard you say sweet Jesus. And I was like, these are my people. This is how we bond. Sweet Jesus. Sweet Jesus. But before you go, one last thing. I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Growth Tribe. And thank you so much for your support. If you've been enjoying what you're hearing and you want to help me and all of our wonderful guests get their message out, there are a few things you could do. You could send an episode that you really loved to a friend that you really think would appreciate it. You could subscribe and give us a five-star review on iTunes, or you could take a screenshot and post it in your Instagram or Facebook stories. I love stories, and I would love nothing more than the opportunity to shout you out and send you a massive thank you. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Growth Tribe.